So in today's, or this week's Parsha, when the people sinned with the golden calf, and Hashem tells Moshe, I am going to destroy this people. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. I will destroy these people. Moshe on cue immediately turns to Hashem and begs Hashem to save the people. Says, remember their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Remember how you took these people out of Egypt. Please save the people. And the Torah tells us, that Moshe, that Hashem then relented and changed his mind and did not destroy, agreed not to destroy the people. Which raises the question, if Hashem wanted to destroy the people after they worship the golden calf, and Moshe begs Hashem not to destroy the people, arguing that he should remember their forefathers, arguing he did so much for them already, they are his chosen people, um, and uh, arguing what will the Egyptians say, and somehow Hashem changed his mind. Can Moshe really convince Hashem to change his mind? Can a mere mortal, a human, convince God to change his mind? Can we tell God what we need? Does he not know what we need until we tell him that we need it? Does he need us to verbally tell him? Without that, would he not know? And can we argue with him and explain to him why we need what we do and why we deserve it and why we should give it to us? Can we convince him? Is it possible for a human to convince God to get him to change his mind to do something other than what he planned already? What then is the purpose of prayer? So that's our question for today. So to answer this question, we really need to go back and look at prayer and what exactly is prayer in Judaism. So prayer is one of the pillars of Judaism. It's Maimonides or many scholars consider it one of the 613 commandments. It's debated as to whether it is or it isn't, but it's considered one of the 613 commandments. We pray to God three times every day, morning, afternoon, and evening. On Shabbat holidays, we, Yom Kippur, we add extra prayers, additional prayers. At special moments and special opportunities, we add various prayers. So we have prayer as central to Judaism. Um, the Jewish community revolves around a synagogue, which is a place that we have created for prayer. Um, and we pray together in groups. So prayer is definitely an important part of Judaism. We've done classes, we've spoken about how prayer developed, how the synagogue developed, and other dominion we did recently, and other details within prayer. My goal today is not to talk about those particular details, but about prayer in general. So what exactly is prayer? What does it mean? So the Hebrew word for prayer is tefillah. Tefillah is the Hebrew word for prayer. What does the Hebrew word tefillah come from? What does it mean? So it's been suggested that the Hebrew word tefillah comes from the word Pilel, which means judgment. We have in the book of Exodus, it says, Venatan biflilim, if somebody causes a woman to miscarry, you shall go before the judges, and the judges will evaluate what those fetuses were worth to pay payment for it. So Pilelim in that context is judges or judgment. Pilel, tefillah, is then judgment. Or another way that the word is used is in the word lehafli or hifla, such as it says, vihifla Hashem, God will separate by causing the plagues in Egypt to only be among the Egyptians and not among the children of Israel. God will cause separation between Israel or clarity between Israel and Egypt you'll see the difference because the plagues will only impact the Egyptians. So the word lehafli means to clarify. 
So to offer judgment or to clarify. That's what the word prayer, tefillah, in Hebrew means. Why would we call prayer, which is when we speak to God, why will we call it judgment or clarification, clarifying? That's because prayer is really about self-development or self-clarification. It is about judging oneself, about figuring oneself out, about clarifying one's feelings, clarifying one's goals, clarifying one's needs. So in other words, prayer is less about begging God for things, and which it includes as well, and we'll soon explain how and why. But prayer is less about asking God for things, and it is more about clarifying or clearing oneself. It is more about developing oneself. Self-development, clarifying our own inner selves, clearing ourselves, judging ourselves, and developing in that clarification and judgment, developing a relationship with Hashem, developing a relationship with the Almighty. So that's what prayer is about. But what exactly are we doing and how are we doing that? So the Torah actually does not, while the Torah describes prayer many times, including in this week's Parsha when it says that how Moshe prayed and asked Hashem to forgive the people when they worship the golden calf. So the Torah many times speaks of people praying. It never actually commands us to pray. It doesn't say anywhere thou shalt pray in the Torah itself, which leads actually to a debate among scholars as to whether there is such a commandment to pray. It's generally accepted that there is a commandment to pray because the Talmud says that when the Torah says va'avadatem es Hashem elokechem, you shall serve or worship Hashem your God, you shall worship your God, what does it mean worship? So it says, um, the, in this week's parasha, you must worship God with your heart. So uh, the Talmud says, well, how do you worship God with your heart? Which commandment involves your heart? How can you worship God? It's clearly not worship in the temple. There's no heart involved in the temple. It's action, offering sacrifices, lighting the candelabra, baking the bread. There were actions in the temple. It wasn't your heart. So how, what is worshiping God with your heart? It is prayer. So prayer then is not so much about saying certain things or talking to God, but it is worshiping God with your heart. It is about personal development and building a personal relationship with God. So prayer is then about clarifying our inner selves and clarifying our relationship with God. That's what prayer is about. Yet, we know that prayer is not only a form of meditation, where we sit and think and we sit and meditate. But in prayer, we actually recite words. We speak in prayer. We are talking in prayer. It is not only a form of meditation, but there is speech as well. Why do we speak in prayer? So firstly, the Talmud tells us that kol mo'orer kavana. You can only truly focus when you speak. It is very hard to meditate on something meaningful and think about something continuously without losing your train of thought, without your mind wandering. But when you verbalize the words, it is much easier to stay focused on what you are doing. And therefore, it is important to verbalize the words of prayer. Furthermore, though, 
Prayer is not only about self-development in the way that we develop ourselves in order to become a better person or in order to become a better self, to be a better me. Prayer is about building a relationship with God. In other words, it is about becoming a lesser me. It is about becoming a smaller me. It is being less about myself and more about something that is beyond me, about recognizing that I'm not living for myself. I wasn't placed here to maximize my own life and live life to the fullest. That's not why I'm alive, but it is coming to a recognition of a greater purpose that we have. As part of that recognition of a greater purpose, it's not about me, but it's about talking to somebody else or something else, about talking to something beyond myself. And therefore, if I would just be thinking, it would remain within me, it would be about me. In order for it to be about something else, something beyond me, something greater than me, I have to verbalize it. I have to be speaking to someone. I have to be speaking to this power beyond me. And although, of course, God understands our thoughts and doesn't need to hear words, but from our perspective, because prayer is for our own self-development, from our own perspective, in order for us to pray, it's not enough for us just to meditate in addition to the fact that it's hard to focus by just meditating, but also because we need to express something beyond ourselves. We need to express and recognize that we are here for something else, that we are part of something greater than ourselves, and that is expressed by verbalizing, by speaking to someone else. We don't have to speak out loud because we're not speaking to another person. That's why we speak quietly. Yes, Debbie. So what is our purpose to make this world a I'm going to get to that in a moment. Yes, I will get to that. I will get to that. Very good. That is why in our prayer, not only do we speak prayer, but we also generally have set words for prayer. We have set structure for prayer. You've got to say these words. This is your morning prayers. These are your afternoon prayers. These are your evening prayers. You can't just say, only say whatever you feel like. Now you can say whatever you feel like as well, but when praying you are also supposed to say particular words that were composed by our sages thousands of years ago, and we are supposed to recite those words in particular. Why are we supposed to recite particular words? So firstly, it is very difficult for a person to compose prayers on a regular basis. And in fact, the Talmud tells us the reason why the initial prayers were composed was because indeed before the prayers were composed, people made up their own prayers every day. But it gets difficult to make up your own prayers on a regular basis. Try when you're asked to say a few words it can sometimes be difficult to on the spot think of, come up with something to share, something to say. Imagine if every day you had to find something to say three times a day, had to find something to say to God, had to find the way to express yourself. It's not an easy thing. And so therefore God gave us, or the sages gave us, set words to pray. But in addition, because it's not only about being a better me, it's not only about me improving myself, but it's about me stepping up beyond myself, about me recognizing something greater than myself, about me being there for something more important than me. So prayers then are not to be composed by me. It shouldn't be only what I feel like, but it is something I pray based on what God, so to speak, has told me to say. And that is how I express it. However, to be clear, the goal of prayer is not just to recite the words. The goal of prayer is not to say words, but the self-development, the personal clarification, 
the personal judgment and the personal building the relationship with God. I am not praying for God, but I am praying for myself in order for me to develop, in order for me to clarify, in order for me to judge myself. Annette. That is an excellent question. That is an excellent question. We really should not rush through prayers. We really should do prayers slowly. That is the correct answer. Um, why do we rush through prayers anyway? That's a good question. The truth is that there are really two parts to prayer. If you open your prayer book, you'll see prayers can be one of two. It can either be praising or thanking Hashem. Praising Him for what He has done, thanking Him for what He, or how great He is, thanking Him for what He has given us, for all the wonderful things He gives us. That's one part of prayer. There's another part of prayer, of course, that we're, we usually think of when we say prayer, asking Him for what we need. Now, a closer look at prayer, you'll actually see that we start off always with praising Him. In fact, our Shemona Esri, our Amida prayer, our silent prayer begins with three blessings praising Him. And then afterwards, it asks God for various things. And then at the end, the last three blessings, again go back to praising Him. If you look at the entirety of our daily prayers, you'll see that most of the prayer is in fact praising Him. Most of the prayer, until you get to the Amida, to the silent prayer, is almost entirely praising God. And most of the prayer following the Amida, we have then Tachanun, where we um, supplication, where we ask God for forgiveness. And then after the words, the rest of the prayers are pretty much also praising Him. In other words, our prayers are mostly about praising God. That's what our prayers are mostly doing. A little bit also asking for what we need. Now clearly, God does not need us mortals to praise Him. Does not need us to thank Him. He is quite fine without us. Why then do we praise God so much? Why do we thank God so much? So it is part of our own tefillah, our own self-clarification, self-judgment, self-development, building our own personal relationship with God. It is about recognizing the God's role in our lives and in our universe. In other words, in order for us to be aware of God's presence in our life, God's having created us and given us everything that we need. Placed us here on a mission and given us a role and recognized that everything we have comes from Him. We need to go through regular recognition, rec regular discussion, regular meditation, thinking about it, becoming aware of it, ask, recognizing that everything I have comes from the Creator. My successes come from the Creator. My health comes from the Creator. My very life comes from the Creator. The very universe around us comes from the Creator. Everything we have comes from Him. If we recognize how everything that exists and everything in our lives comes from God, that leads to a great awe of the Creator, and it leads to a great appreciation or love, because He's given us everything we have. But we need to arrive at that recognition on a regular basis. It's not natural to us. It's not something that we see when we look around us unless we're cognizant of it, unless we're aware of it. So a very big part of our prayers is this come working on this recognition, recognizing God's role in our lives, recognizing how everything we have comes from Him, recognizing how He gives us everything that we have, recognizing how we have to be appreciative of everything that he is giving us, clarifying God's role in our lives for ourselves. And therefore, most of our prayers is not even about asking for what we need. It's about praising God and recognizing his role in our lives and in our universe.
That is really what prayer is about. Most of it is praising him, recognizing his role, recognizing God and recognizing who he, what God means for us. And that is what we mean to build a relationship with God, recognizing what he means to us. But in addition to praising God, we also ask God for things that we feel that we need. When we're in trouble, we turn to God and ask for help. Like Moshe Rabbeinu did when God said he was going to destroy the people. Like many others throughout our history did. Turn to God and throughout scripture we have stories of individuals who turn to God in trouble and ask for help. We also turn to God, if you look at our prayers you'll see, Many of them are not asking for material health, financial health, uh, financial success for health, for, um, for our material needs, but many of the prayers are asking for spiritual things. Help us study your Torah. Help us follow your commandments. We're asking for spiritual things. Help our nation. Bring our, restore our nation back to its former glory. Restore the temple. So many requests are asking for national, for um, national things, for spiritual things, help us return to you, forgive us for things we have done wrong. But those are all, and sometimes material things, give us, we need money, we need health, we need to be helped in various ways. So we ask God for all sorts of things that we need. Um, and we do ask God for these things. Why do we need to ask God for these things? So, first and foremost, when we ask God for what we need, it is a recognition that everything that we have comes from God. In fact, the Talmud tells us of sages who, having food in front of them, would turn to God and say, give me food, with the food in front of them, because you still need God to give it to you. Whatever you have comes from Him, and that is why every time we eat, we always make a blessing, thanking God for having given it to us, recognizing that everything we have comes from him. So first and foremost, when we ask God for things, that gives us recognition that everything that we have truly comes from him. It also reminds us why we have the things that we need. Why do we need health? Why do we want, why do we need financial success? Why do we need emotional happiness? Why do we need all these things? What do we need them for? Because we want them? Is that a good enough reason? Because otherwise it would be painful not to have them? So we believe that the reason why God gives us everything we need is the same reason why he created us. God created us in order to fulfill a mission we were created in order for a purpose, in order to serve God, in order to follow his commandments here on this earth. We were meant to be his agents. So why does he give us what we need? So that we have what we need to do our job. So why do we have what we need? Not because we're hungry, and therefore give me food because I'm hungry, no. Give me food because I'm hungry. I'm hungry because I'm supposed to be alive to follow whatever God wants me to do. And without food, I won't be able to do that. Without money, I won't be able to do that either. Without happiness and energy, I won't be able to do that either. So why do I need what I need? Not just because, not, not just because I feel I need it. Or more accurately, why do I feel I need it? because I need it as part of my mission, as part of my purpose. Now, there's some things I feel I need that I really don't need as part of my mission and my purpose. Some things that are maybe unnecessary, and those things are maybe even contrary to God, what God wants. Those things, when you think about it, would you ask God for them? We don't need them. They're not part of our job. There's no need to ask for them. But things that we do need and that we can use for good, we turn to God asking God for those things. Not that he needs us to tell him, but for ourselves. 
for our own clarification. It's our own recognition that we get these things from him. And the reason why we have them is in order to fulfill our role and our purpose in life. But can we change God's mind? Can we get him to change God's mind? So in the story we told earlier, the Torah clearly says that when God first said he was going to destroy the people, and Moshe begs him to please save the people and gives him all these arguments why he should in honor of their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You took them out of Egypt. You did so much for them. And what are the Egyptians going to say? And he uses all these arguments to save the people. And it says, Vayinachim Hashem. Hashem relented. Sounds like Moshe convinced God. Now, how can that be? We believe, and we do believe, that God is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. He knows everything. You cannot give God information that he doesn't have. So if I tell God, I need you to heal me because I'm sick, he knows that you're sick. He knows the disease a lot better than you do. And he knows your probability or your possibility or has the ability to heal you, if he so chooses, doesn't need you to tell him. Furthermore, God being all-knowing means not only he knows all information, but he also is aware of all the arguments. So we can try to convince God, as Moses indeed did, arguing to him, you'd be better off with me healthy. You don't want me to be sick. Right? We can argue to God why he should make us better or why he should help us win the lottery or whatever else we are asking God for. We can offer arguments, but can we ever convince God? Whatever argument we can offer, if he is all-knowing, then he already knows those arguments. How then would we convince him? Furthermore, we are told, Ani Hashem lo shaniti, I, God, don't change. And one of the fundamentals in Judaism is that God is an absolute being that never changes. And therefore, God, by definition, never changes his mind. There's no change in God. So God never changes. So how can he change his mind? Why can't God change his mind? God doesn't change. So how did he change his mind? So in order to receive the things that we need, that we want, we need to be deserving of those things. We need to deserve those things. God does not just give us everything. Sometimes we don't deserve it. So we can be deserving of those things, things that we need, things that we want, by improving our actions. Perhaps we've done things that make us undeserving or not deserving. By improving our actions, or at least committing to improve our actions, or rec regretting our past actions, recognizing the need for improvement, we are able to, in that way, make ourselves more deserving. Furthermore, even if perhaps we are not undeserving because we've done bad things that we need to change. But if we don't recognize God's role in giving us what we need, then why should God give it to us? We don't recognize where it comes from. So God, as part of a condition, often not always, of giving us what we need, is recognition that we are getting it from him. So therefore, Rav Yosef Albo in his Sefer HaIkrim explains that it is not God who is changing, it is we who are changing. God is responding to us. When we change, we get a different response. When we are not deserving, God doesn't give us certain things. When we express regret and commitment to change, we are now more deserving. God now gives it to us. When we are not recognizing his role in giving us what we have, he doesn't feel the need to give it to us. When we change and we begin to recognize his role, he then 
gives it gives us whatever we deserve. So in that sense, God doesn't change, but rather changes only his responses to us change based on us changing. When we pray, we change. When we change, then by us changing, that then changes God's response. So if we give that characteristic to Moses, Moses is praying to God. He already knows God already has a full perspective. Um, but Moses cannot make those people change. So why would God change his reaction? So Moses does make the people change. To be clear, Moses does, and uh, he comes down and he breaks the tablets, and they sure regretted what they did. Um, but you are correct. It is Moses praying for the people, and this answer doesn't seem to be entirely satisfactory. Um, while it's true, and there is truth to it, that God changes based on humans, but there seems to be more to it. So if we take this a step further, and... Um, Others, the Kuzari points this out. We do believe that God changes as well. But not that God himself changes, but God's actions towards us change. And that is because we believe that God has different, what we call, midot, different characteristics or different approaches to us. He treats us in different ways. If we were talking about a human and we like to reflect our human experience on God, if we would be talking about a human, we would call it moods. God has different moods. Except there's a crucial difference. Humans are in certain moods. That's the way they're feeling right now. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling a certain way. God doesn't change. God doesn't have feelings. So God's moods are not in the way he feels, but in the way he acts towards us. So God can act towards us through various lenses, as you, if you wish. He can shine his light to us using different colored lenses, using different moods in the way he responds to us, and these are referred to as midot. And the most crucial to midot that God deals with us is chesed, kindness, and gevura, discipline. Sometimes God treats us in a way of kindness, through a lens of kindness. Kindness, you give, even if someone's not deserving, you give them anyway, help them anyway. You know, I really shouldn't be helping you. But I'm a nice guy, so I'm and I feel for you, I'm going to help you anyway. So God treats us through a lens of kindness, gives us things, undeservedly gives us. Sometimes God treats us through a lens of discipline. Discipline, or sometimes it's referred to as judgment, means, midat hadin, means that God treats us in a very um, judging way. You get exactly what you deserve. You don't deserve it, you don't get. You're not getting what you, you want to improve your life, you want to get more, do better and you'll get more. You get everything exactly as you deserve. So God has these two lenses, midat hachesed, the lens or the of kindness, and the lens of, judge, of judgment or discipline. And we can, through our own turning to God, we can, based on our response to God, we can have God change from one to the other. And so when God is in a state of discipline, which he will turn into such a state as a result of our bad actions, we can then change the lens. And by us praying and turning to God, God allows when we pray to him and what we call invoke his mercy, we ask God to be merciful upon us, we can change the lens to a lens of 
kindness, where now God treats us in a method of kindness. And that is what we believe Moshe did. Moshe turns to God and he asks God by invoking the merit of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, by invoking the exodus for Egypt, from Egypt, by invoking God's love for our people. God, Moshe then has God change from acting towards us through a lens, in, through a way, through, an act, through the midah of discipline, to move to an act to the midah through the lens to the lens of kindness, and in that way, if we can change the God's lens or the way He is responding to us, and He does that in response to our turning to Him, we actually can change the way He acts towards us. It doesn't change God Himself in any way, but it does change the way He treats us, and He waits for us to invoke that kindness. We can invoke it through our prayers. When we have various prayers, he's given us certain tips, such as the 13 attributes of mercy, which is a couple verses that we recite that help invoke God's mercy and other prayers um, that we can use to invoke God's, so to speak, state or relationship with us, change him from acting to us through a lens of discipline so that he shall begin acting to us through a lens of kindness. And that happens through prayer as well. When we Now, why is that? Because God, again, prayer is about our own self-development. When we change, then God has pity on us. It's almost, if you want to use a human example, like when a child is acting up, the parent becomes very tough with them. When the child then becomes very sweet, right, the parent then responds to the child in return responding to them and overlooking perhaps their past infractions. So in the same way, when Hashem sees that we have remorse, when Hashem sees that we want Him to be merciful and kind, that we are acting towards Him, in a way of love, that we are feeling love towards him, he responds and begins to treat us in that way of love and care. So we are able to change the way Hashem treats us through our prayer. Yes, Elise. Yes, yes, yes. First, we could stop at any point in the prayer and in our own words work on ourselves, but there are particular parts of the prayer that are about our own re regret for the past, uh, commitment to the future. There are parts of our prayer about praising God, recognizing God's role, and there are parts of our prayer asking God for specific things we need. And yes, we definitely could add our own. We also have the option of turning to God at any time in prayer. We don't have to be within structure in order to pray. Absolutely. So when we pray, as we spoke, we are first and foremost talking to God. And so we believe, again, prayer is about our ability to recognize ourselves, recognize our roles, recognize God's role in our lives, recognize our role as God's agents, and the mission that we have for him. And so prayer is based on the belief then that we can develop ourselves, but also in that sense communicate our own feelings to God. And in prayer, there's no question, we are talking to God. We are addressing God. And so therefore it is not only about our own personal self-development, fixing ourselves, changing things within ourselves, but it is about building a relationship with God. And we recognize that God is listening to what we say, paying attention to what we say. 
But the truth is that those two things are really one and the same. In other words, our own personal self-development and our talking to God are one and the same thing. And that is because if you want to think about it, in prayer we are not talking to ourselves, we are talking to our deeper selves. When we speak of God, people often misunderstand what we mean when we speak of God. People often think that God is this big, giant being out there who is bigger than us and stronger than us and controls us and therefore we have to do what he says. That could be scary. And often then, when people look at this from such a perspective, life is a battle between me and God. I don't really want to do all those things he would like me to do, but should I do? He's bigger than me. He might zap me if I don't listen. I have no choice or cause me all sorts of other problems. So I got to follow this big bad thing out there. So that is often the way people mistakenly think of God, this big powerful being out there telling me what to do. That is not accurate at all. That is not the Jewish belief in God. We believe, and just very briefly because it's a subject of another class that we've discussed before, we believe God is everything and everywhere. In other words, we believe that God is the absolute being. God is everything. God just is and is all-encompassing, just is. And everything that exists, exists within God, since God is all-encompassing and is everything. Everything that exists, exists within God, and as a part of God. So we are all within God. Our entire universe is within God. Our entire universe is a part of God. Rabbi David Aaron used, I think it's a great, it's a parable, and every parable you use, every metaphor you use for God is very imperfect, and this one is extremely imperfect, but to think of it like drops in the ocean. All the drops in the ocean are all part of this larger ocean. But each drop is within the ocean. We are drops within the absolute infinite ocean of God. We are part of God existing within God, where every one of us, so to speak, is a part of God. Every existence that exists is a part of God. And now, while we see ourselves and we see everything around us as being its own thing, I am I. I don't see myself as being a part of this greater existence. But recognition of God and our true recognition in Judaism is how we are all really just a part of something greater, part of this greater force, this greater being. God is, in other words, our deeper reality the deeper reality of ourselves and all of existence. Taking it a step further, we humans are unique. Not only are we like the entire existence a part of God, but we humans are an agents of God. In other words, even the way we feel ourselves as our own independent person, I was placed here within our universe and within our current experience, within our own reality, to serve God and follow his mission here on earth. So we are all God's agents here on earth, essentially an extension of God. So we are all part of this greater reality. God is then our deeper selves. So in other words, we're not communicating, talking to God over there who is out there and speaking to him. We are communicating with the deeper true reality behind ourselves. When we pray, what we are doing is we are communicating with ourselves, but not I. We are stepping beyond the I to that deeper reality. We are stepping beyond the drop 
to recognize the ocean around us. And when we speak and we say, praise this God, Hodullah Hashem, praise this God, holy, uh, uh, praise His name, and we speak of these great praises who created the universe, what we are speaking is of this deeper reality which we are part of, bringing ourselves to this recognition of this deeper reality. When we speak of things that we need, turning to God and say, I am sick, I need healing. It's our deeper reality that we are a part of that we are turning to. This greater being that we are part of saying, in my fulfillment, that we are an agent of, in my fulfillment of your mission, I am, or our deeper mission, we are, I am missing things that I need for my mission. Please help me. So it is that recognition, really, that prayer is about. Hasidic teachings teach us that prayer is not just about clarification, clarifying ourselves, clarifying who we are, what we are. It's about changing perspective. In other words, every day we go about our day and we carry on our li with our lives. We see all the different things that we need. You need to take out the garbage. You need to pay your bills. You need to go to work. Also, you get to go to your doctor's appointment. All sorts of different things that we need. And we get carried away with the day-to-day -day grind of life. And so prayer is those moments to step back. Prayer is those moments to say, to recalibrate and say, why am I here? What am I doing? What is the purpose of all of this? What is it here for? Recognizing that everything around me, it doesn't really matter. I have bills to pay and don't have money in the bank to pay for it. I have some sort of disease without an easy way to cure it. Ultimately, I'm just part of something much greater. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here to live it up. I'm not here to enjoy life, to retire on a golf course. That's not what I'm living for. I am here on a mission. I'm part of something greater. The true reality behind everything Everything I see from the bank account to the golf course, from my own doctor's office to my body to everything around me are all creations of the Almighty. And all here for a purpose. All here for us to serve Him. All here for us to do something with. And so prayer is the time we're supposed to recalibrate. It's a time to focus to remember God's role in our lives, to remember the key that the Talmud says, I was only created to serve my Creator for no other purpose. And the same is for everything around me. We were created as God's agents here on earth to serve our Creator. That's all we are. Everything we else is a distraction. Everything else does not truly matter. That is all that truly matters. So prayer then is the time to recalibrate and recognize what our lives are truly about. And then you go about your day and you get easily carried away because you still have to pay the bills and you still have to go to the doctor and you still need to go to work. And so you get carried away again. And so therefore, we need to regularly recalibrate. And so that's what prayer is. It's really that time to recalibrate, to turn to God or our deeper selves, our deeper reality, the reality existence behind everything, and recalibrate and say, this is what I'm here for. This is why I'm here. This is why I need these things, God. I need the money to pay the mortgage. But this is why I need it so that I can fulfill my purpose for which I was created and for which, the, which this entire universe was created. So what we've explained till now to answer, does God need our prayers? 
The answer is God wants our prayers. He doesn't need anything. He wants our prayers because he wants us to recognize his role in our lives, to recognize our mission and purpose, to recognize why we need what we need, to recognize why, where everything we have comes from. That's what prayer does. It is that ability for us to recognize these things. And yes, by us praying and coming to these recognitions, we can then invoke God's mercy, God's kindness, and have him deal with us in a kinder way, uh, not in a disciplinary discipline way in order for us to get more than what we deserve as well so what what we've explained is pretty deep and very powerful and should change if a person prays properly we are told and it's difficult to do so but if a person prays properly on a regular basis it will change your life you become a different individual you become a different person because you're regularly recognizing god's role in your life you're regularly, regularly recognizing who you are. So what we've explained is very, very deep. However, our sages have said that ultimately, praying as deep and as powerful as it can be, praying is ultimately very, very simple. As it was put, we should pray like a child. A child speaks to God and doesn't have the sophistication of what we've explained, the self-development, the recognition of ourselves, our roles in life, recognizing that God is our true deeper self. The child just kind of talks to God like talks to his parents. I need this, please give it to me. And maybe doesn't recognize kind of the details. And maybe really wants something and thinks that the parent, they could change the parent's mind. And maybe thinks that, you know, the kids think if they keep asking, keep begging and crying, they could actually change our minds. Sometimes they do. And so ultimately, we can pray as a child as well. And while it may not be on a deeper sense entirely accurate, um, God is not this thing out there. We don't truly change God's mind. Um, prayer is really about our own self-development. But truly, it's about building a relationship with God. And if a person is not sophisticated, if a person maybe does not have a deeper understanding of prayer, a deeper understanding of God, and does see God in a more primitive way, perhaps as a child sees it, they're still building that relationship with God. They're talking to God as one would to a parent or one would to someone who can help them, please help me. And so even if we see it in a very simple way, even if we pray to God as a child, it's still part of building that relationship. We're still turning to God when we need things. It's still something that is valuable. So yes, we should have the deeper recognition of prayer that we're praying to our deeper selves, that we're developing ourselves, we're recognizing what our lives are really about, but still prayer even on the simplest level is still a very, very powerful thing.